0: It's, uh, as, as Tom uh, prepares, let's, let's pray together. Father, we thank you for stories that are essentially your stories, the stories of your movement amongst this community, just uh, wider and wider, wider is the influence. And we thank you that for Tom and Aileen, uh, this has been part of their ministry journey and we're so grateful that uh, you've done a mar- marvellous thing in their lives and over the years they've been perpetually fruitful. And so, God, we, we just want to honor them today, and uh, we ask your blessing to be upon them. And we just thank you for Tom as he shares with us this morning. In Jesus' name, thank you. amen. Yeah, thank you. I want to take a reading this morning from uh, the book of Haggai uh, and chapter one, a reading from the first, first verse. In the second year of King Darius, on the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, the son of Sheatil, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, son of Jehoshaphat, the high priest. This is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say, the time has not yet come for the Lord's house to be built. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. It is, time for, is it time for you yourselves to be living in your panelled houses while the house remains a ruin? Now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much, but you have harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You put on clothes but are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in purses with holes in it. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Go up into the mountains and bring down the timber and build the house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. And we pray that God will bless to our hearts that reading from his Wonderful truth. There are churches being built all over the world. And and we're always excited about seeing churches being built that glorify this wonderful Savior that we serve. And I thank God that this church has been built for the glory of God. It's not always the case, because very often churches are built for the glory of man. Some are built on the wrong kind of foundation. And of course, they never succeed. And I've seen other churches formed through rebellion. And uh, any church that has ever been formed out of rebellion has never succeeded. Oh, they may go on for a little while, but eventually they fail. Yes, it's sad that many of the churches and congregations that are formed today are not being built on the right foundation. What does God say about building his church? In Matthew 6, 18, he says, I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Some modern translations make it look as if uh, uh, we, the church, were sitting waiting for the gates of hell to attack us. The King James Version gives a, a totally different impression. It gives the impression that we, the church, will be attacking the gates of hell. And that's more like it. The Lord said he would build his church and the church that he builds will prevail over the gates of hell. Now, what kind of church prevails over Satan? It's the kind of church that the Lord builds. So what does that look like? It's a church that's always teaching about Christ. It's a church that's always preaching about Christ. It's a church that's always singing about Christ. It's a church that's always giving to Christ. And it's a church that's always witnessing about Christ. It's a church that's always working for Christ. You know, the name Jesus is very difficult for a lot of people to understand. It's a lot, of, a very difficult for people to handle I was taking a funeral recently and I was assured that I could speak about God but I must never mention Jesus because the word Jesus seems to speak into our hearts. It seems to touch us. You don't need to say anything else, only Jesus. I I was in uh, Fiji. A, A girl came writhing up the center aisle like a snake, hissing her tongue out. And I didn't know what to say to her but I just said Jesus, and I kept repeating Jesus, and suddenly she gave a yelp, and she was totally released from the evil spirits that that had uh, taken hold of her life. When it's a church that keeps preaching Christ, when it's a church like this church, built on what I believe was the right foundation, it will prevail, and hallelujah, Satan can't stop it. Why does he say he will build his church? Is it because we don't know how to build his church? Oh, we we might know how to build buildings. But God's church is not a building. And this is why the Lord says, I will build my church. We can put up the buildings, but God builds the church. Many people think they know how. Many don't know the first thing about building his church. They remind me of those two Irishmen who didn't know the first thing about building. And they drove into the builder's supply yard and one of the men walked into the office and said, we need some two by fours. The guy behind the counter said, you mean four by twos, don't you? And the Irish guy said, well, I'll go out and check with my mate. So we went back out to the truck, and he turned a few moments later, and he said, yes, we went four by twos. All right, how many do you need? Uh, he goes back out to the truck again to his mate, and he comes in, and he said, uh, we need around 60. How long do you want them? The guy asked, and back the Irish man goes to his mate in the truck, he returned and he said, Pat says we're going to need them for a long time for we're going to build a house. <laughs> and you know, friends, when it comes to building a church, we're all a bit like the two Irishmen. We really don't have, know a lot about it. And that's why the Lord said, I will build my church. The Bible tells us that unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. But the Bible does say that we have a part to play in the work of the kingdom. In First Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 9, it says, for we are laborers together with God. And that's what this church did. Craig and the members of this congregation, and we're all together in this, we all built the church together with God. In the Old Testament, we see a good example of how God wants to build his church. For example, in 586 B.C., Nebuchadnezzar invaded and overthrew Jerusalem. The city and the temple of God were left in, in, in ruins. And God, Haggai wasn't pleased with them, and he told them a few whole truths. He was... Uh, preaching a a blistering sermon to them, and he's reminding them that while they live in their luxurious homes, the house of God lies in waste. The problem was that they were consumed by selfishness. And what does selfishness do to us? It leads us to just simply look out for ourselves. And there are many miserable people on the face of the earth And the reason is because today is the same as it was in the days of Haggai, and all they can think about is themselves. I found a little article the other day, how to be perfectly miserable. It lists a few things you can do that makes you miserable and keeps you miserable. Number one, think about yourself constantly. Talk about yourself constantly. Use the personal pronoun I as often as possible in your conversations and demand that everything is done your way. (laughs) Have you met people like that in the church? This is a recipe for sadness. And people in Haggai's day had their priorities all mixed up. Haggai cut them no slack about what they were Uh, the fact that they were concerned only with their own houses and not the houses of God, their priority consisted only of me first, Donald Trump. (laughs) So what did the people's hearts, where were the people's hearts at? Let's look at the people's answer. Verse 2. This is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say the time has not yet come for the Lord's house to be built. Praise God, that's not what the people of this church said when they bought the land in Moffat Road. Praise God, that's not what the people of this church said when they bought this land and planned this building. Notice the people in Haggai's time didn't say they would take care of God's needs in the church. They just simply said, the time has not come that the house of the Lord should be built. Have you ever noticed how many people are going to start attending church faithfully when the time is right? Have you ever noticed how many people are going to start tithing when the time is right? How many people are going to start witnessing when the time is right? How many people are going to start serving God when the time is right? Oh, when I think of my own life and remember as a young cop walking the beat in the, in the docks area, the harbor area of Belfast, and, and, and coming upon a, an old uh, uh, corrugated iron hall, and I notice outside it said, The coal men's mission. And there was about fifty old coal heavers, as they called them. Their skin black, their hands gnarled. And there I was standing outside on a cold winter night, listening to them singing, What a friend we have in Jesus! And knowing that I was a complete sinner knowing that I needed to get my life turned around an alcoholic, drinking myself to death, knowing that the very name Jesus was touching my heart. I wish I hadn't thought to myself, I'll do it when the time's right. What a lot of grief I could have saved myself if I had. What a lot of grief I could have saved my wonderful wife that I love for over 70 years. Let me tell you how I've always worked things since that. I don't wait till God tells me to do something. I do things or try things until God tells me to stop. And that way I don't sit around in my backside doing nothing. Look, sometimes I've been wrong. And God says, Tom, it's time you stop that. It's not working. But the problem is, for money, the time is never right. They're always talking about doing something, but they never get around to doing it. The timing in some people's lives is ridiculous. They're always aiming to do something, planning to do something, hoping to do something, but they never get around to doing it. When it comes to timing, everybody seems to treat time differently. And when it comes to spiritual things, for some people, it never seems to be the time for them to act. These Jews had the time, they had the money to build their own houses, but they didn't have time or the money to build God's house. But look at the Lord's answer in verses 3 and 4. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is it time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while the house remains a ruin? The word paneled in the King James Version is, is called sealed. Sealed. Sealed houses. It means a roof or covering. They had a roof over their heads, but they weren't worried about the roof over God's building. Again, this is a picture of the selfishness of these people. They're like many today in a me first society. Sometimes the church has to step out in faith and get things done. I remember a church in South Island. They started building a new church and when they had the walls built, they ran out of money. There was a big move by a large number of people to borrow the money and get the job finished. However... There was a very controlling family in the church and they convinced the people that they'd never be able to pay back the money if they borrowed it. And they got their way. And for the next eight or nine years, those walls sat without a roof. I drove past it often. And to the general public and to that town, it became a memorial to the lack of God's provision and a lack of faith of that congregation. We have a part to play, and you have proven it. When we step out in faith, God always answers the need. Hallelujah. It's obvious that the people Haggai was addressing had their affections in the things of this earth. And many people today are wondering why things are not working out in their life, and it's because the Lord is not first in their life. Can I ask you something? Where is your affection? Some have time for the things of the world, but no time for God. Some have money for the things of the world, but no money for God. Look at what Jesus said we ought to be preoccupied with in Matthew six thirty-three. But seek first his kingdom, his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough troubles of its own. And in Colossians 3, 1 and 2, since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. I believe with all my heart that that's the foundations that this church is built on. And look what the Lord says through Haggai to these people in verses 5 and 6. Now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much, but have harvest is little. You eat, but you never, you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You put on clothes, but you're not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes on it. Because they've looked out for themselves, God says they have pockets with holes in them. As quick as they got it, it just seemed to slip away from them. There's an old proverb that I often heard my mother say, a narrow gathering gets a wide scattering. The Bible says it differently. It says they gather money, but they have holes in their pockets. In Haggai 7 and 8, this is what the Lord Almighty says Give careful thought to your ways. Go up into the mountains and bring down timber and build the house, so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. Praise God, you people went up into the mountains of faith and you built these buildings. And the Lord takes pleasure in them, and the Lord is honored by them. In other words, God was telling them to put Him and His church first in their lives, and if they did so, He would bless them. The Lord said, I will build my church, the Lord's church. It must be a place of preaching, it must be a place of praying. It must be a place of praising. But that's not enough, my friends. It has to be a place of practicing, putting into practice, putting things into action guided by God's wisdom. As I've said, there are many who talk about what they're going to do, but it never gets done. And we've got to do it with God guiding us. I went to a church in Australia where there was 40 people Most of them are unemployed. The first thing the pastor showed me was a a beautiful model of their new church. It was a thousand seater. It had a swimming pool. It had tennis courts. It was sitting on three acres of land. I asked him where the land was and he said, oh, we haven't found it yet. We're waiting for the Lord to provide it for us. I said, well, I guess you, you must have the money to buy it. Oh, no, he said, we're believing the Lord to give us the money to buy it. Now, I'm a man of faith, but this was ridiculous. Today, they have still 20 people in the church. We have to work with God and under God's wisdom. Yes, we have a part to play in building of, in the building of God's church, but we work in partnership with God and in the wisdom that God gives us to do the work of the kingdom. One of the heads of the Baptist Union in America prayed the following prayer shortly after he was converted, way back at the uh, beginning of the 18th century. Write thy name on my head that I may think of thee. Write thy name on my lips that I might speak for thee. Write thy name on my feet that I might walk with thee and for thee. Write thy name on my ears that I might listen for thee. Write my name, thy name on my heart that I might love thee. Write thy name on my shoulders that I might bear loads for thee. Write thy name on my eyes that I may see for thee. Write thy name all over me that I may be wholly thine always and everywhere. What a desire that man had for Jesus. When it comes to the things of God, what is our answer? Are we putting the Lord and his church first in our lives or the things of the world and our own comfort? The church that the Lord builds is a church where people put God first in their lives. And this kind of church not only prevails against the gates of hell, But that's the kind of church that attacks the very gates of hell. And God says, consider your ways. Are we in the church universal just playing games and running little social clubs? Do we have time for the things we want to do, but don't have time for the things God wants us to do? Do we have the money for the things we want, but no money for the things God wants? Are you, the members of this congregation, living in that way? As you begin a new phase in the life of this church, I trust that you will resolve to put God first in your personal lives and in the life of this church. Endeavor to sense what God wants And forget about what you want. Scrapping personal agendas and getting on to God's agenda. And when you do, brothers and sisters, Christ shall continue to build his church. Christ shall continue to build this church. And hallelujah, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, you've told us that you would build your church. And sometimes we act as if it were ours. We thank you that you entrusted us with it, but that you gave us the assurance that you would build it and the gates of hell would not prevail against us. Help us, dear Lord, to remember that when sometimes we despair for the church when we see churches collapsing around us, when we see evil sects and cults invading our space, when we see churches squabbling among themselves, help us to remember their God who owns it and that you know what's going on and that you have a plan to put it back on track. Guide us, Lord, that we will not hinder your church by our own plans our own ambitions, our own agendas. Build your church, Lord. Make it strong, Lord, that through it your name might be glorified. Amen. Friends, God bless you. I love each one of you in the precious and wonderful name of Jesus. Thank you.